Welcome to In Defense of Humanity. My name is Ostris Oz Miller. My co-host Khalid Johnson is here. Today we're joined by Layla Sonora Murieta. Layla, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Layla Murieta or Layla Sonora Murieta if you want to go for the whole thing. Um, yeah, I don't know what else you want me to say. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, uh, as per the last In Defense of Humanity episode we did together, whenever Nehemiah was here, uh, I introduced you as a community organizer, cyclist, activist. Yeah. Yeah. Your local hater of cars. Indeed. Yeah, I am all of those things, along with a recovering fandom blogger from Tumblr. So, all right. Just kidding. As 2020 has shown me that I have full capability of regressing back into those tendencies. We, we are going to have to analyze that in a few moments. <laughs> we can do that. It's, it's a good time. Indeed. So, you have thought of a topic and you presented it to me. Would you care to tell us this topic? And then I'll expound upon the topic. In terms of the boys, the show. The boys, the show. The boys. I don't know. I think it's just a very real commentary on um, on our current political climate. And some people get it. And as I've seen in recent like Twitter posts that other people do not get it and have dressed up as Homelander to go to Trump rallies, which maybe they get it all too well. So I don't know. But let's yeah that's what I want to talk about because I just watched it I had no idea it was a book series or a comic book series before that and I just saw it on something I don't know what oh I saw a tweet thread about um Kimiko on mm -hmm. Twitter and I mm -hmm. thought it was really interesting I was like well I might as well just check this out because I've got nothing else going on in my life and I have a lot of free time so I'm just gonna sit down and watch two seasons in one go and that is how I do things. Excellent, Khalid. You look like you have thoughts. I was gonna, I was gonna wait till we like formally got into it, but yeah, avid comics reader, uh, comic creator. So I was, I'm familiar with both the full comic series and the Amazon Prime series as it currently is. And yeah, there's a lot of political commentary that I don't think people really get, you know, because. I guess one of the fun things about entertainment and, you know, media in general is this kind of escapist quality, right? You can watch it and you can, you can shut your brain off. It's just fun, mature uh, superhero content, right? And, you know, some of those layers can just right over people's head. Indeed. Indeed. And that leads us directly to the pseudo topic for this episode as our listeners will now know as we are well over halfway through the series of the fourth season this mini series is about disparity socioeconomic disparity long pauses for effect but in reality i do believe the boys is a brilliant instrument 
for showing change in a reactionary way. Uh, Khalid, as you know, and Layla, and most of our audience, reactionaries are people who would like to turn back the clock to the time before, whenever America was great again. And um, so it's used as a tool. Media as an instrument for socio-political blank. There you have it. I mean, but that's, I mean, I think that's just like the role of media in general, right? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, thinking about uh, different creators that I've interacted with, right? Um, one of the things is your politics are always going to seep in. So, you know, that analysis or critique is always going to be present in some way, no matter how small and whatever media is being created, right? You know, even if you look at the most innocent of children's shows, there's definitely some sort of lean there, right? Even in the ways that, uh, you know, almost insignificant things are presented, right? You could look at, uh, you could look at Caillou, for example, and like even in Caillou, you can definitely tell that, you know, he's grown up a little bit spoiled because of the kind of household that he's lived in, right? And, you know, the kind of upbringing that he's had and, you know, these different things. It's always, it's always gonna find a way to seep into whatever work is there, right? And I think with the boys in particular, um, it's not even like it had to seep in. That's like, it's, it wears it on its sleeve. Like it's presented like up front, right? The boys, as ironic as it is, is a critique of capitalism as it currently is. And, you know, the nature of corporate interference or corporatism um, within the world that we currently live in. And that it wears it right on its face, right? Very interesting thoughts Khalid and you know even though I say their thoughts because I like to be an antagonist I do believe everything you said right there I am talking a bit more slowly than normal and that is because the boys requires deep thought on my part uh, not that it's more deeply than anything else however uh, I remember watching the boys with you on the other line Khalid Johnson and uh, some some of the things I was like oh no they're Nazis but why did they make black soups uh, and then I was like ah oh, well that's that's a great way for Nazis to distract from the fact that they're Nazis you just hire a black CEO yeah you make some black soups a few Asian soups uh, interabled soups so you got a you got a blind guy, and you got Homelander at the top, good old Aryan brother. Thoughts? Who's the blind guy again? Because um, I just have this like vivid, like scene of no, I'm thinking of the deaf guy where Homelander like I think claps his ears. Is that the blind guy? Am I getting? Yeah, yeah he, he's blind because he can he can only hear. Uh, yeah, things right. around and they wanted to add more diversity mm -hmm. to their cast mm -hmm. but like homelander destroys it mm -hmm. upon like encountering that he's like oh very cool and then he thunderclapped his uh yeah, i mean senses. that's a, a spoiler alert <laughs> i don't know should that be in the yeah, that'll be the in main, the, that'll be in the show notes. the beginning it'll be in the show notes. spoilers um yeah he just uh 
which is again like the it goes back to the nazi thing of like pure or like eugenics as a whole this whole thing is about eugenics also um because when these people are made the soups are made um in like laboratory Mm -hmm. setups and they people get paid to get this done to their children um and then I wonder like is there I don't know if they ever discussed it but like what kind of requirements were needed for these like people to get this superpower so the show does not quite uh as far as I've seen so far lay it out um However, you know, looking at the way that uh, Starlight was raised, right? She's living in a rural town, which, you know, obviously shows that money wasn't a huge factor initially, right? It was just kind of them testing it on whichever parents wanted to, you know, have super kids. Uh, But once it's uh, kind of revealed to the world in season two that this thing exists, then they're like, cool, well, now we can monetize it. Now we can make as much profit off of it as possible um which i guess then would go into who can get it and who can't which then also goes to uh socioeconomic disparity because then you look at who would have the funds to get it and uh, then you look at the obvious eugenics part that stormfront was going for when she was like making sure the right the right people get it and so you know obviously white people so well-off white people would be the only soups that they'd be creating moving forward and I also find it interesting, right, the way that uh, Homelander, despite basically being the perfect, uh, the perfect Aryan image, right, um, almost has this slight rejection um, or slight disgust when he's being, you know, propped up as this Aryan symbol, right? You know, if you notice the subtle cues within uh, Anthony Starr's um, portrayal, right, there's this slight discomfort, uh, even like I think specifically to this point where the term white genocide is uh, stated. Mm-hmm. And there's this like very subtle disgust, right? And so it's like having these ideals thrust upon you and, you know, still having to, like, I guess, analyzing your complicitness in it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how, like, if you're not actively fighting against it, you're for it, you know? Oh, yeah. I feel uh, to me, Homelander's a racist, right? Plain and simple. However, I feel Homelander doesn't like people because he feels superior to them, not because he's white. He he is so so obviously he classes people different based on their socioeconomic conditions, but also the fact that he he's fully willing to kill a white human non-soup the same as he is willing to kill an Asian uh, non-soup. Um, but I feel that he has convinced himself that what he does is for the good of the company and thus the good of the country. Thus, he's like, I might have these biases. However, I am not a Nazi because I don't want just people who look like us to be the ones who are doing this because then I'm not special because at the end, he is a narcissist. Layla, you look like you're, uh, you have thoughts. Kind of, yeah. Um, well, I think it's just, yes, he does believe he's superior, but I feel like that's just inherently tied to whiteness mm. to an extent, and especially like white maleness. Okay. 
in the United okay. States or in like the Western world as a whole, because I mean, like colonizers thought they were doing everything for the for the good of the of the whole, mm-hmm. for the good of everyone. But I mean, obviously, where we are today, um, <laughs> it didn't work out that way. And um, yeah, and and then I think he he does like a really good portrayal because if you called like calling someone a racist never ends well because they're like, no, 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 I'm not a racist. And it's like, well, you just did this thing. And they're like, no. And you're just like, okay, fine. Um, but like, and I think Homelander perfectly like encapsulates all of that in like a, like he doesn't think that he's a Nazi, but he does all these Nazi mm-hmm. things or like these supremacist things. And yeah, and he just, I don't think he just likes, I don't think he likes the label, but he likes everything that it stands for. Because, like, World War II, I mean, Americans fought against Nazis, even though there were Nazis in the United States, and there still are. And, like, we don't like the term Nazi, even though everyone, like, a white supremacist is a Nazi. Mm. Like, they just don't like the term or the phrase but they like everything that comes with it. Which I think is, you know, an excellent point. I also think it's, um, if I recall correctly, it's directly articulated by Stormfront. Um, After being outed as a Nazi, she's like, people like what I was saying. They just don't like the fact that uh, it says that I'm a Nazi. That's the only thing. And so I think that's an interesting critique. Um, It's really funny, um, you know, having read the comic books, the liberties that are taken, right? Because, you know, obviously, um, within our political climate, it shouldn't need, like there sh- it shouldn't even have to be an entire season devoted to Nazis are bad, but for some strange reason, that's where we are, right? We still have to relay that white supremacy and being a Nazi is a bad thing. Um, but in the comics, Stormfront is, uh, one, a male. Um, and, you know, obviously there's misogyny there um sexual assault all these different things um but he's also like given a much smaller role as a character right because those things weren't as uh honed in on um there was there were obvious themes of you know eugenics presented um but you know i think it was more like the commentary was more um laid into i guess commenting on how things were in the early 2000s you know with terrorism you know international and global terrorism and that was more where the commentary lied and you see that pop up in the show a bit but that's not the uh, big thing right you know obviously the bigger critique is of capitalism and you know this invasive white supremacy or not even invasive it's always there but you know this very obvious white supremacy within you know our corporatism and our capitalism mm-hmm. i think our guest jeff harry uh, from the season, he hit on it. He he mentioned his friend Ludovic said it would be amazing if minorities had the same confidence as mediocre white guys, because mediocre white guys can create whatever they want, and people think it is gold. And whenever they actually have some talent, then they are seen as an outlier, and they're pushed up to the top, even if they don't want to be seen as that sort of exceptionalism of whiteness. Uh, But in that notion, 
the fact that Homelander could be a mediocre white guy and still obtain some semblance of fame. Adding to the fact that he is superhuman, at least physically, drives home that you can already go from uh, unknown artists from the Austrian countryside to the leader of much of the Western world, annihilating other people groups because you need a reason to maintain your power and a person to blame in order to bolster that power. But imagine if you were also that kid from the countryside who could fly, who is invulnerable, who is faster than a speeding bullet. And then that represents to me who Homelander is, Hitler on steroids, with a conscience that's outside of him, which is, of course, the American dollar. But I wouldn't even say his narcissism really loans itself well to capitalism, right? Um, as, as, you, you know, as you look at the character, he's entirely self-serving. Um, he believes that the corporation kind of bends to his will as opposed to him being, you know, an agent of it, right? He, um, he himself thinks he's bigger than he is, and that's because of the way that he's been catered to. That's because of the kind of image that's been represented, right? He is America. He is Vought. That's how he thinks of himself. Not as serving Vought, not as serving the dollar. It's all self-serving, right? That's like an interesting layer to this idea of privilege, right? That the rules don't necessarily apply to you, that uh, everything, you know, has to kind of bend to the will of the white man, right? I think that's an interesting kind of layer applied to his character. I don't know how to word this. It's like, um, I want to call it like a new, um, like colonial, like neo-colonialism maybe, like his just, his way of thinking is very, it's inherently American. I think he's just self-serving to the the mediocre white man as like an identity as a whole. Because um, I mean, Homelander is the mediocre white man who has superpowers, kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I read Superman and Captain America in him, um, of course, because cape and flag and stuff and the name itself too it's like the defense the department of homeland security was created to protect our borders in 2003 um and so homelander i guess is just like a like a a singular entity of homeland security and he is just the super hero with a pretty face to murder innocent people and faraway lands um, with like military might, but just one man. Mm -hmm. I think it's, um, so like I, one of the biggest motivators for Garth Ennis when he created the series was um, kind of presenting his image of what he perceives superheroes to be. Um, Garth Ennis is uh, famously anti-superhero. He thinks they're goofy, just not a fan of the tights, of any of that kind of stuff. Um, and so there was this very uh, frat boyish um, portrayal of what superheroes were, right? Um, you know, obviously the themes of sexual assault, um, 
you know, that are very heavy in season one of the show, but they're sprinkled throughout in the comic book series. And um, there's actually an event in the comics called Herogasm, where all the superheroes get together to kind of get awards for, you know, best superhero, best superhero team, all this kind of stuff, patting them on the back on like a like an entertainment scale right and once all of the cameras go away it turns into a group orgy um where you know superheroes are just screwing other superheroes doing hard drugs the whole nine um and homelander you know as a play on uh, captain america and superman you know is obviously winner of the most awards but also uh you know, what other heroes aspire to be um, to the point that um, there's this hero, I think Jensen Ackles is playing him next season, Soldier Boy, um, where they end up sleeping together. Um, and the and Soldier Boy asks Homelander, is, is this gay? And Homelander's like, no, of course not. We're just, you know, this is just a thing that we do. And, you know, I can do whatever I want because I'm me. And, you know, I think it's so interesting, right? Because while Homelander is this representation of, I guess, a, a cracked mirror image of American uh, exceptionalism, right? Mm -hmm. Superman is very obviously coded as Jewish exceptionalism, looking at the time period when Superman was created, looking at um, Superman's creators who are Jewish men. Um, Joe Schuster and Jerry Seigel, right? And Superman being this uh, clear analogy for Jewish exceptionalism and the Jewish experience. And then you have, once again, this cracked beer image um, in Homelander where everything bad about America is just in that character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I definitely feel you with Superman being the um, exceptionalism of of the Jewish writers, certainly. And then whenever DC puts a spin on Superman, just to keep going with this vein of, of discussion, uh, like uh, Red Sun, Superman, who is, of course, the Soviet version. And we know Karl Marx is, um, as well, ethnically Jewish. And then we, we see that in him as well, even though it's going with something that's an opposition during the Red Scare we see that Red Sun Superman can still be exceptionalized as an American character because it's an incorrect way that Superman came about. So people can read into it, even though that's not why it was written, just like how Layla was saying earlier, people are wearing Homelander costumes uh, to Trump rallies. The irony of people going like, oh, we see they wrote Red Sun specifically to show us what could happen if Superman was raised by Russians. It's like, that's not at all why Red Sun was written. It's not to show you that being raised a communist is bad. It's showing that government control of superheroes, government control of power to exact onto less powerful governments, make the connection, the illusion, however you please, about how a government does that, is inherently wrong. Having this might, some might say this, this assortment of nuclear arms in the arms of Superman represent the power of the, the Red Nation and our Superman being obviously Clark Kent 
is a representation of America, the freedom and the unwillingness to fight outside of our soil, only the preservation of peace and justice here. Thus, people can use that to say, oh, look, our Superman, the American Superman is the ideal of what it means to be Superman. Even all-star Superman is the ideal because he risked his life to save everyone as an American. But nonetheless, Layla, you look you look like you want to say something. Um, yeah, Superman was always my least favorite superhero because he was so powerful. And I was like, this is so boring. <laughs> There's no struggles for him. Just like Batman. I never really liked Batman. He was just a mm. sad boy with a bunch of money. Um, and so, I don't know, Spider-Man was always kind of my fave um that kind of thing <laughs> you know like you gotta have a little bit of struggle for it to be like truly real it's like batman just redistribute your wealth and then you will stop fighting crime uh, uh, <laughs> like, batman is a fascist everyone knows i this. know it's like homie please go to therapy um your parents died a lot of people's parents died just like calm down just like a teeny tiny bit um but yeah, I don't know. I never really liked Superman. And I think that's why, I don't know, when I was watching The Boys, I was just like constantly like, like hand motions everywhere. And just, I was alone in my apartment, just like kind of screaming at my computer, being like, oh my God, that's that kind of thing. Um, because like, I don't know, I think it was just a really good it's just a really good commentary. I just also think that the streaming flat platform it's on is really interesting because, you know, like Vought could be Amazon. And if anything, mm. Amazon probably has some superheroes hidden somewhere in one of their like warehouses out in the middle of the desert that they keep building in these Southwestern cities. Um, hello, West side of Albuquerque, Amazon distributor center. Um, but I just think it's really interesting because it's a comment on hyper-capitalism or late-stage capitalism mm -hmm. uh, with all these superheroes and how, like, capitalism has infiltrated literally everything mm -hmm. from, like, the mega churches and, like, the superheroes and all of that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, Amazon, just like Amazon has infiltrated <laughs> everything. <laughs> Um, you know, thinking about like the super churches, right? I think it's interesting how everything is so easily commodified, right? Even within the world of the boys, you know, you can pay to uh, become super, you know, so even exceptionalism becomes a commodity. Um, and then, you know, on like a worse layer than that, right? You look at the, um, you look at like how they were basically trying to sell uh, diversity, right? You know, thinking back to the blind superhero or more specifically to Queen Maeve, right? As soon as it came out that she was a lesbian, it was, how can we profit off of this? Uh, you know, everything with her has to be feminist and, you know, queer coded, right? And, um, I think about like how our media is today, right? You know, you look at you look at shows that we've had um, where it's just kind of been you got to have a gay character in here for like you got to have like and it's like the most stereotypical representation of a gay character, and it's just for you know 
logistics. It's just so the show looks diverse. You got to have the one strong black character so it looks diverse, right? Um, I think about a conversation that I had, you know, I guess this becomes like a critique of the show a bit, right? Um, and MM, right? He's like the one black character or the one consistent black character aside from A-Train, right? And, you know, you look at, wow, I enjoy the actor while I enjoy, you know, whenever the actor's on screen, um, it feels very surface level as far mm. as really allowing for his experiences to shine through, I guess, right? Like, you can see that it's there slightly, and you can mm. see that the character is handled a particular way, but it almost feels like, and I guess this is more on um, Garth Ennis's initial writing of the series, um, you know, it's like, this is just the big black guy. And it almost kind of fits that stereotype, right? Um, looking at Kamiko, especially in um, season one, you know, she is the silent Asian trope. And that's what her role was limited to. Um, I'm glad they introduced the sign language for her in the second season um, because it, I guess, kind of provided a way to maneuver around that without um, breaking faithfulness to Garth Ennis's original works where she is entirely silent. Um, and I think Karen Fukuhara did a fantastic job in um, mm -hmm. really embodying that character. But, you know, I think while it, ha I think while the show produces fantastic critiques on capitalism and, you know, the invasion and pernicious nature of corporations, right? Um, I think there's still more to be done on, you know, how involved our characters of color can be, um, especially when commenting on those situations. I really hope this show doesn't go a particular route that the comic did. Mother's Milk, uh, how he got that name is really interesting, is what I'm going to say. So, Khalid, that was very interesting. That's an interesting notion. I actually don't know what to think, but I, I do know about Mother's Milk's, uh, the origin of the name as well. And I didn't know how they are going to tie it in to the series, and we still haven't seen how it's tied into the series. But I surely hope that this does not come to screen, because this will be... Though they've done some weird stuff in this show, and they've done some weird stuff in other shows, I don't, I, I don't know if the show could survive this. So, to the people listening that do not know Mother's Milk's origin, his father was, I think he was investigating Vought, if I'm not mistaken, um, was like a journalist or something, and his father started getting sick, and I think that sickness may have passed to his mother. I'm not mistaken. Um, and so when M.M. comes out, uh, M.M. remains dependent on his mother's breast milk. His mother, um, basically, her breast milk is like, it keeps it, it makes him super strong or makes him really, uh, <laughs> makes him really durable, Some, something to that effect, right? But you don't really see her until the end of the comic series, um, which, spoilers, I mean, it's worth the read. Um, I think Garth Ennis has some pretty 
great ideas. Um, I think the show has a bit more nuance. Um, however, I think Garth Ennis, you know, laid laid some solid groundwork. But towards the end of the series, where Butcher's arc takes Butcher is becoming entirely genocidal. Butcher's mission becomes kill everybody with compound V in their system. Um, which, funnily enough, uh, the boys um, all have compound V in their systems because that was the way that they were going to combat the superheroes. Nevertheless, uh, Butcher is prepared to blow everybody's head clean off. And Huey, being the last member of the team standing against Butcher, goes to M.M.'s mom's house and uh, his M.M.'s mom is living in the basement. We haven't seen her at all up until this point. Huey goes down the stairs and you see like an elongated breast like coming at him. And then you, you see that M.M.'s mom is like this blob, like this blobbish figure. Um, and her breasts like, like wrap around Huey and then force him to drink breast milk and it's mm. really unsettling and um i did not know how to feel when i read it so so khalid um i appreciate you for explaining uh i most certainly was not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole there was no way i was saying any of that however i can show the similarity to the hospital scene of the vat experiments with the ah, uh, this is even worse. With the elongated penis that uh, reaches out and uh, chokes none other than mother's milk, which is yeah, the... it, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is what that is. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that elongated penis that's actually like a character that actually had a pretty decent-ish role. Um, within the comics, it actually is like an ally to the team. They go to Russia. Uh, I guess this is during the time where they're um, getting ready to fight against uh, Stormfront and Stormfront's team. Uh, but they go to Russia, and there's this contact that Butcher has, and I forget his name. Love, I think it's like Love Sausage. I think that's his name. Uh, big Russian, big Russian guy. And yeah, yeah, that's actually the power. The uh, his his penis can do that, and it's it's bad in the comics too. It is entirely uncomfortable in both forms of media. Layla, thoughts? Uh, since I haven't read the comics, I only know what was shown to me on screen, and that was a wild ride, for sure. I think I have a vague like memory of the mother's milk thing in my head for some reason mm. because I feel like I've seen that image before somewhere probably Tumblr has given me that gift um but yeah that sounds like I need to get some comic books mm. again <laughs> well, since since we're already on Tumblr we might as well let's let's go ahead and dive in on that we can we, we have plenty of time we can always come back to the boys go ahead and explain your little tryst with i guess it's not a tryst that implies sadness at the end but maybe so i don't know my experience my love of love affair with tumblr yes um 
I don't know, high school was very exciting for me if you were on the internet and was one of my, I don't know, a hundred followers on Tumblr because I was a part of almost every single fandom you could be a part of. Minus some, minus anime and Homestuck. Hopefully y'all don't know what that is because we're not gonna talk about that. I'm pretty sure it's Nazi propaganda, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Because okay, I didn't I, get into it. I, I was gonna say explain, but I I don't know very much, but I know that I think it might be like Nazi romanticization, just a mm. tiny, tiny bit. Or it could just be talking about fascism in a really weird way. Um, so I was a part of the super Hulock fandom, you know, Sherlock, Supernatural, and Doctor Who. Ah, so so was I, but I didn't have a Tumblr. Great. Um <laughs> and <laughs> um and then, of course, the Avengers. I was really into that um, movie format. And I did read some of the comic books, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Hannibal was a really good oh. thing for me. I'm rewatching it now because right. I'm, I'm an adult. You know, Hannibal the Cannibal. Mm-hmm. It's a good show. It's really well. It's really beautiful. Um, and then you got to sprinkle in some boy bands in there, too. So One Direction because it was 2015, you know. Um, 2015 no it was like 2013 early one direction with the floppier the hair and the skinny pants mm-hmm. there was a whole lot of drama there the wanted in one direction there's like a whole beef um yeah but we don't need to get into that that's like a whole discussion that i don't know if i want to talk about <laughs> Indeed. Um, but yeah that was me um my tumblr was very very chaotic um i still have a tumblr but now it's just uh, me reblogging pictures of like cats and like cottage core stuff because it's the one social media that I don't, can look at and it's just pretty pictures and not like politics at that point. <laughs> I'm like, let me escape from uh, Twitter and the news for a little bit and uh, look at some cats. <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, I know for a fact my Tumblr time was very short. However, I saw one of the most visually striking Spider-Man fan comics that I'd ever seen on Tumblr. Hmm. See, I I had, uh, I I had a, there was a person who was very obsessed with Doctor Who, Supernatural, and I suppose Sherlock as well, who was in my AP Biology class. Uh, Was it junior year, senior year? And they were like, yeah, you got to make a Tumblr. So I make a Tumblr, I decide to follow them. And it is not Doctor Who, Sherlock, nor Supernatural. It is, in fact, something I do not want to see and was very reminiscent of the hospital scene but with real people uh it was porn and i no one no one informed me what tumblr no one informed me that that tumblr had this on it so i i was surprised to say the least it was all black and white as well i didn't know what to do i was just looking for doctor who information and that was my first and last day on Tumblr. Hey, but they've cracked. They've since cracked down on uh, uh, NSFW posts on Tumblr. That was like the whole thing. It drove a pretty decent sized chunk of uh, Tumblr users away. But they, 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 they cracked down on it. Yeah, R.I.P. NSFW Tumblr and those fan fictions that got taken away. And those fan arts, very good stuff. Just kidding. Uh, no, those were, it's too much. Sorry you had to see all that on Tumblr. Someone didn't tag their posts correctly. It was, uh, 
yeah. Nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, Layla. So you brought us from the boys to Tumblr, in which you were in this super super hulak fandom. Fandom. Yes. Can you can you give us a little bit more information? Did you watch the most recent? Uh, supernatural because we could we could dive into that as well because i most certainly did i did too mm. and i have a lot of feelings because um high school me which was how old 14 to 18 i stopped watching supernatural around season nine i think when i had the realization that it was just the same thing over and over and over again um and i got really infuriated by that I was like, this is just lazy writing at this point. Someone dies, an unfathomable evil evil comes out, and then uh, that person comes back, defeat evil. Someone else dies, person comes back, they defeat the evil. God sucks, the end. Um, but I did watch the most uh, recent stuff, and I hate it. You hate it. So I do hate the last episode. I will it was very. It was very mid very mid mid okay it was like you know like you'd see that in the mid the middle part of the of the season mm. that is not Spoilers. how i would have yeah. used the word mid but indeed like mid but also it was very like meh. <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad is middle in the sense of in all senses of the word i never got into supernatural uh, that's good all i all i knew was that supernatural came on i want to say right after smallville and mm -hmm. right after arrow and those were the only reasons that i watched the cw were for superhero media so clean avoided supernatural even though i heard it was pretty good early on and as you just confirmed pretty good early on early on pretty good i i'm, I'm so it came on the tnt channel a turner network television at around, I believe it was 11 a.m., 12 a.m., right after Las Vegas, which I also watched. And around the same time, I believe at 7 a.m. was Charmed, and we had sprinkled in there one of my favorite shows, Leverage. So I watch all of these um, on the weekends, whenever they came on, because they knew who was watching it, people who were in high school and middle school at the time. Um, I'd watch Las Vegas. I'd learn about how to finesse casinos with old rules that wouldn't even work. I'd watch Supernatural, see the boys not get killed. I'm glad they sort of explained how they never died, but everyone else was dying. And then we, we'd hop on Charmed a little bit earlier, watch the Hallowell sisters do what they do. And it was all good. It was all good. Yeah. I don't know because uh, yeah i was also part of that group of people in, within the fandoms who was really into shipping characters together oh, so like, so 2020 of course would give Destiel. us destiel mm. and then take it away from me immediately after giving it to me it never was meant to be but you know, RIP to that, I guess. This was 2012 whenever I first heard about Destiel because the, the same person who got me on Tumblr and didn't tell me the truth of Tumblr uh, was like, ah, oh, Castiel, 
the gayest angel in the whole garrison. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean by this. Uh, that's none of my business is because currently he's an emotionless person wearing a trench coat. So I can't tell if he's gay or not. I just know that he's a person who burns people's, who smites people. That's all I know that he does. And it was like, somehow they saw what no one else saw. Or rather, somehow they forced Eric Kripke to write in something because they threatened him on a daily basis. I don't even think the original writers write Supernatural anymore. I think they stopped after season five or then they like lost him for a little bit and then one of them came back. Yeah, I don't know whatever happened there, but yeah, that was really, I don't know. Really thinking back on it, it was very uh, queer baby for sure. Supernatural was whatever. It's a garbage show now and it's over forever, thankfully. And now Jensen Ackles, I guess, is in the in the boys eventually, maybe. And then, uh, what's his name? Jared Padalecki is off doing something called Walker or Texas Ranger or something. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Are they are they rebooting Tech Walker Texas? No, Ranger? it's just Walker. It's it's not, oh, it's not it Walker, Walker Texas Ranger. But they had to get the go ahead from Chuck Norris. Walker Texas Ranger is something my grandfather would have on the television, and I had no choice but to watch it. Good old Cordell. You had Alex. Oh yeah, I I know it. I watch it. I I know it well. Don't get me started on Walker Tech, even though I don't like it. Nor Gunsmoke, nor Bonanza. I do know the whole series. Thank you. Southern Blackman for watching problematic television. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're going to hop back to the boys. And we can't really predict anything from the next season because we don't work for Amazon Studios. And if we did, we'd get fired if we gave any information. However, what do you all think is going to happen. I hear Khalid wants to discuss a bit about the military industrial complex. We can do that. Uh, we will be soon enough having a military officer on the podcast to discuss that in full in an entire episode. But Khalid, if you would like to take it away from now, go for it. I was just thinking about, so like within season one, right? The ultimate goal was to get superheroes in the military. Um, you know, that was, that was what everybody wanted. They wanted military contracts. Um, and then you look at season two where they actually get said military contracts and, you know, that was like, that was the thing that they worked towards. Right. And so being able to intervene within foreign affairs while having, uh, government sanctions to do so. I think about the Avengers, right. And how the Avengers are basically nothing more than a, uh, a branch of the government so to speak right you look at you look at shield everybody's basically deputized they have their own uh i guess operate like or like operations and uh facilities to operate out of right they are the line of defense as superheroes right to the point where you look at civil war um where it's i'm gonna say vague because i think the comics i guess kind of made clear what the uh, thing they were fighting for and against was a little bit clearer but you know within within the movie right the heroes themselves are fighting over uh the government 
more officially sanctioning what they're allowed to do, right? And so I think about the Avengers kind of in the same thing, right? The in the same vein, the Avengers are what the uh, what the seven and what Vought really wanted in the end anyway. The only difference is, as far as the MCU presents, the Avengers are a bit more responsible when they commit war crimes. That's the only way I appreciate war crimes with responsibility. As long as you're trying. However, as I've said five times already during this podcast, I want to hear more thoughts. I want this to be open, to be free. I don't want to hear my voice. As such, Layla, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I did think about the Avengers in the, the contract that they wanted to sign in the, what is it, the Civil War one. Um, yeah, and I, when I was, when I watched that movie, um, I was a little bit more young and naive about the military and the industrial complex that comes with it. And I was like, yeah, they're taking away their individual freedoms, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I didn't even think about the fact that they were already a part of a government branch um, because I don't know if you're supposed to think of S.H.I.E.L.D. really as part of the government, but it is a government entity. Um, but yeah, when I was watching the boys, um, I was like, yeah, obviously that's a bad idea because Homelander's nuts and he's just gonna go over and just like explode everything and do all that and just like hardcore like secure our borders mm. like homelanders are supposed to do whether it be one or a lot mm -hmm. um, he just like fully embodies the fears that come with going into a perpetual war against something that doesn't actually exist mm. it was like the war on terror or something the, like yeah what you, who are you, you're gonna fight a feeling mm. like <laughs> i can't do that like like the war on immigration some might even say what the left is doing and you know homelander going to explode like heads exploding on the right whenever aoc drops a green new deal layla talk to us about head exploding um yeah head exploding that's very traumatizing in the show i was like oh my god graphic <laughs> um I, I read the the character the was she a representative mm -hmm. congresswoman um i read her as aoc an aoc type you know she's loud she's kind of outspoken she's well like she's She's put together in a way that she's like still kind of like relatable, but you know that she means business and she's got like that, like she's, she's probably from, I don't know, somewhere that you need to be loud to be heard. So big family, um, she's got darker skin and all that kind of stuff. So it's like AOC type mm -hmm. and yeah, she's trying to do, I was like, dang, I'm really on her side. Like, of course, these people, these superheroes and Vought as a whole need I don't know, restrictions. They need to not be so horrible mm. in everything that they do. And then every time she tried to do something, I was like, oh, classic. This is probably going to be Homelander exploding everyone's head with his like 
I don't know, mind powers that he probably has yeah. at this point. Um, <laughs> because he's Homelander, why wouldn't he have head exploding powers? Um, so yeah, I just thought it was another Vought superhero. This is a big spoiler um, because at the end, we all find out self-hating superhero and yeah it's it's interesting it's an interesting way to push a very specific agenda Mm -hmm. via more violence Mm -hmm. which some would say maybe is necessary and some would say maybe it's not necessary and i think maybe a happy medium between the (laughs) two is very good Okay, so recognizing um, Victoria Newman's uh, very obvious um, being coded as AOC, right? What do you think the implication is of her being the uh, perpetrator of heads exploding, right? Because like, what what messaging do you think that is? Because mm. at that point, it becomes a little unclear, right? Where you see AOC very outspokenly and and very clearly you know making it known that she's progressive and fighting for the people and you know that being mirrored in victoria newman just for her to then turn around and committing senseless acts of violence that are almost counterproductive to her cause Mm. like to a degree right like thinking about the um, courtroom where obvious justice could have actually been achieved in some former fashion right for her to then turn around and pop everybody's head all at once despite being able to have made progress in that way right it's it's counterintuitive and i'm just really interested in what the implications of that are or what more specifically what the messaging is intended Mm -hmm. to be like obviously i don't have faith in much of any politician however i do like aoc right i wouldn't put my faith fully behind a politician because you know politicians that's kind of a career of lying right lying Mm. and compromise and so you know i'm just really interested i guess to hear what you guys' thoughts are on that i don't know i feel like it could maybe be like one of those um yeah like a comment on just every politician as a as a liar no matter how progressive they they say they are um it could also go the other way and just be like a comment on i don't know like QAnon theories of being like everything is a cover-up for something else and there's one i don't know like one true good person um which i don't think the boys does that because there's no one true good person in that show everyone is messed up in their own special way um but like something like that like a deep state theory um or i don't know yeah something like that maybe it could go one of either way could be both very like like a comment on these people in positions of power will do whatever they need to do to prove their Mm. point and get what they want or they're also a pawn of something greater and a greater cover-up of something Mm -hmm. bigger than bought Mm -hmm or the US government or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly with you in saying that people in power will do something to prove a point. Like we say, gun control won't help with 
violence and then violence happens using guns and we're like oh it's mental health that's what it is they were insane it's not because we have guns it's because they happen to be insane which is something that the right uses a lot not everyone who shoots up a school is insane i would say most people are not i would say it comes to a point in one's thinking right their orthopraxy in which they say nothing matters and somehow i'm gonna do this and it's gonna end better than i think it's gonna end. and to continue that to continue that thought though I feel, right, and I know this is not how it's written, liberals can't be trusted by the left. They talk a lot. They cry a lot. I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not. Khalid, go ahead. I mean, A, liberals aren't leftists. There is a very clear distinction there. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, that that's true, right? You look at uh, our election um, and, you know, our elected officials that, present one way when they're on the you know election circuit and then once they get office it's kind of yeah but i don't have to do that thing or you know i could make you wait until i do that thing or i'm not going to fully do the thing in two weeks you know i don't (laughs) but you know it's like it's like okay i guess for example marijuana marijuana on like a Mm. legal like on like a national scale right we're cool with decriminalization but we're not cool with full legalization which is what you know a lot of people want and a lot of you know more progressives want they want full legalization and it's like we can give you decriminalization we can expunge records and you know we won't arrest people for nonviolent weed possession however it's still not legal you're not going to pop up dispensaries everywhere you're going to get a fine Uh, you're still going to get a fine and it's like, yeah, no, they'll, they'll, they'll give a little bit, but they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not leftists, you know. And and unfortunately, a lot of our politicians, you know, that align liberal are just more uh, center right than anything else. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is a comment on the like. This isn't like it hasn't gone far enough like bot itself as a whole needs to be dismembered and like fully destroyed instead of just being like let's put some restrictions on it like don't be so big um type of thing it's like no this shouldn't even exist in the first place you gotta like full-on take it apart destroy it um and kind of what um yeah, like what Butcher kind of wants is a destruction of bot and everything that it's created, um, which would probably fully like redefine society as a whole within that universe. Mm. Like it would, like without presence of the bot superheroes, your life would look very, very different. Or without like bot entertainment, you wouldn't have, I don't know, smartphones or something or you wouldn't have certain vaccines if that's something that they were working on or like military contracts and people wouldn't be rich anymore. Um, it'd be like a full redo of society, which maybe is what the head exploding character kind of wants, but I don't know. Indeed. And we may never know, but what we do know is that in defense of humanity is coming to a close 
an indefensive time is coming to the beginning of this time. Thus, I ask, Layla, Khalid, are there any final thoughts before we take it to Patreon inclusive in defense of time? <laughs> Layla is shaking her head no. Yeah, I don't have anything <laughs> else to add. I don't know. It's just a really good show. I like it a lot. Um, and then me not realizing that there were comic books or books. Uh, <laughs> I'll go and I'll go and pick some up. I should have known better because MCU, there were comic books and books and things before there were movies. Um, and this is something that's very similar to that, but more head exploding and blood and guts spilling everywhere. Um, more accurate representation of superheroes. Movies sell better. Pro and uh, you know, to the uh, disdain of many comics creators, you know, while movies sell better, they don't really direct the audience to the thing that they were inspired from in the first place. It's almost like uh, they present themselves as being created in a vacuum. Nevertheless, I guess my final thoughts um, in relation to, you know, dismantling the thought as a whole um, would be, you know, looking at capitalism and this idea that, you know, there's reformation um, of a system built on white supremacy and built on the exploitative labor of oppressed people, right? Um, I don't believe that there is really any true reformation of a system that is fundamentally broken. Mm. Um, the same, the same goes to say for our policing system or our prison system. Uh, they were created broken, and so I think the only means of doing better is by dismantling those systems. Mm -hmm. Can't get eggs and flour from a baked cake. That's all I got to say about that. Well, we'll see you all later. Not actually have that accent. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Layla. Thank you, Khalid. Join us on In Defense of Time.